0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Don't Cover Up podcast.
1: I got pulled over by the The police for speeding.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Andy, for some reason, decides he wants to flip the car. So he's there flipping (laughs) this little Fiat. And he went fancy. He said, you need to
1: retire. No, I look back on that that time in Wales. It was...
0: Pretty remarkable period of their life the all-blacks are expected to win and not only expect to win but to do it with an ash
1: by the time i got offered a contract i'd already signed for
0: france we found him unconscious in someone else's tent right well first of all josh it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show uh, and secondly congratulations on yeah, another outstanding performance for yourself last time out against your former club, the Scarlets. Um do you believe you're playing some of the best rugby of your career so far? Uh
1: yeah, I probably am actually. Uh, hmm. you know, I go back to 2016 is another season that stood out for me. But this year, you know, I've 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 really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I've you know, I, I think it helps that I've been playing week in, week out. Um, bit of consistency in, in performance as well. And, and you know, I I'm actually enjoying my rugby more than ever, I know, um, you know, I'm 33 now, but I feel like a 28 year old and I keep saying I've been 20, 28 for the last five years. So and I think when you hang around with the or you're involved in a group of players in the Blues and they're a lot younger than you are, um, you know, it, it makes you feel younger and, you know, you want to try and keep up with them or. I try to make them keep up with me because I'm <laughs> still in a better position than them. But, you know, it's, uh, you know I'm enjoying it more than ever. And that's, I think that's the key, really. And I'm going to work with a smile on my face.
0: Yeah. How does that transition come across? I've always been interested in how rugby players, because, you know, it only seems like yesterday you were breaking through. It's just weird how quickly your rugby career comes and goes. Um, and you've still got plenty of years still ahead of you. But where does that transition come from where you're sort of the young, the young cub in the park? To one of the leaders, because you are one of the leaders now with the Cardiff Blues.
1: Yeah, you know, it was, I can go back in 2007 was when I made my first game, played my first game for the Scarlets, mm. and then I left seven years after that, in 2014, and you know, by that point I was probably, um, you know, there was a period of transition in the Scarlets where a lot of senior players left, and then you know, mm. there's relying on younger players coming through, and there was a group of us, uh, I'd say like um, McCusker, Ken, Presend, mm. South, John Davis. It all come through the system together, and you know the next thing before you know it, you're the senior players in the group. And um, I think when I went to the Blues, you know, I I'd, was I'd kind of in, in in that middle period. I was like 25ish, 26, you know, and um, you know, I was probably seen straight away as as a senior player then because there was a lot of youngsters coming through. Saying so that the Blues had a lot of senior players then as well, um, you know, in Gethin and Matthew Reese. Um, and then, you know, you had people like Sam Orbden still playing and Josh Navidi was there. And then you had all these youngsters come through like Ellis and um, Jared and Thomas mm-hmm. and Owen Lane. So, you know, the conveyor belt just keeps on coming. I guess as you as you get older, um, you tend to have a little bit more responsibility. You've got a little bit um, more um, understanding of how the game is played and how the environment works. Um, and yeah, it just it's just it's just a natural thing, I think.
0: And you know it's crazy how many years you've been with the Blues now. I've always remembered you as a as a Scarlet's player, they're born and bred. But um, you know you've been at Blues for quite a few years now, haven't you?
1: I think I've this year I've, is the year where I've, uh, yeah I've been in the Blues longer than I've been at the Scarlets. Oh, that's the crazy. Sea, sea environment. So um, yeah, you know it's uh, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> they say.
0: Yeah, but on that on that game with the Scarlets, it must always be nice to. To vi- revisit the, the park at Scarlets and it is always a little bit sweeter when you get a victory there as well.
1: I reckon I've probably got a better record since I've been in the Blues over the Scarlet. I have the Scarlet and Blues. I don't know it's, uh, or, <laughs> no, it's, um, you know, it's all it's, 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 good or bad. It's the it's one game, I probably, all the, the games you look out for when the season fixture list comes up, mm. you're like, oh, look, mm. where, where are they? When are we playing them? Um, yeah. It's kind of like, kind of just raise, raise intensity levels a little bit. And, you know, I'm probably such an eager, eager being that week to get out on the field and get, just get to the end of the week. So I get to get yeah. a week into the boys. Like yeah. I'm saying that, there's, there's not many boys in the Scarlet's now who were, who were there when I was still there. There's probably, yeah. you know, um, there's a handful of boys who I probably coached when I was coaching Scarlet's 18s were involved in the environment now, but I'd say there's only Ken, uh, Shingler, John Davis, mm. Yeah, um, oh, Gareth Davis has come off, you know, and then you look beyond that, you've got like Steph Hughes, Steph Evs, Kieran Hardy, James Bastian, all those boys I coached when they were in 18, yeah. so teams. They've, <laughs> they've done transition through, so mm. you know, it, um, obviously, you're, you're aware of who's down there and stuff, and you know, it's always nice to put a big force against your old club.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the sort of turnover of clubs these days, isn't it? Because I think the cl- I think Scarlet's getting rid of 12. 12- players, I think. Uh, they're out of contract or or something like that. It's amazing how that sort of turns out when players aren't always at that club for so many years. Uh, but on that Scarlet's game, um, one player that stood out apart from himself uh, was Jared Evans. I, I played with Jared from the age of 13. I played against him you know, uh, from under eight all the way up to youth. Uh, and I knew what talent he had from a very early age. He'd, he'd have this sidestep and this dummy where you know he's going to dummy, but he still managed to get past you and he's yeah. and I just wish because I remember at the age of 14 being in my local rugby club with my old man and we were talking about putting a bet on Jared becoming a British Lion one day and we were talking about how all the odds would be obviously they'd be very, really short now but how impressive have you been with Jared lately because there was a lot of talk of him going to uh, an English club in, in the premiership to maybe try and get further in his, his Welsh career but how, how many leaps and bounds he's come on over the last few years?
1: Oh, massive you know uh, he's he's really stepped up uh with his leadership role in the last couple of seasons mm. you know and um I think you know when you've got you've got to play like that you've got to utilize him to the, to the best of his ability really and you know mm. the way he, sh- he sent Ken for a hot dog the other week against the Scarlets. Oh. you know and you know uh I, but the thing is jared has been doing that for the last especially yeah. all of this season anyway and Um, you know, I think he's busting to just try and do that on the international stage now. And Mm. um, I don't think it'll be too long before he's getting that opportunity um, because his form, his form uh, warrants it. Um, And, you know, he's a, he's a real good kid. And, you know, I think he's got a really good partnership with it, whether he's playing with Lloyd or whether he's playing with Tomas, Williams at nine, you know, they've got a really good understanding and, um, you Mm. know, how how they want to play the game and, and pushing us as a pack of forwards forward um, and, Playing play in the right areas of the field because we can all not we all know how dangerous he is when he's got ball in hand.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy when obviously there was a lot of talk of him going uh, to one of the Gallagher Premiership clubs, and you sort of see the the, the sort of players that they have there at a fly after the young players like Umaga, uh, Marcus Smith, you know. And I still and, and without sounding biased, I still think Jared, you know, can play them off the park on on any given day because he's that talented. Um, on the management of the Cardiff Blues, Dai Young is has come in and now he's been given the full-time role. Um I'm not sure if you've worked with him before but how have you found the new setup of management at the Arms Park?
1: Um yeah no I haven't worked with Dai before um but Dai actually did try and sign me while I was while I had a couple of years left at the Scarlets and then obviously Phil Davis went there and he he did sign me then so <laughs> Yeah. Um no I think Dai's been Pretty, he's been good since he's come in you know he's been straight down the line um you know he's told the boys what he wants and you know mm. i think we'll only see that more die over a period of time now when he when he um obviously settles in now and we move forward into next season i think we'll start mm. to see a, a die young imprint come out in the Cardiff of blues
0: then mm. and over the last few weeks you know you, you've been skipper in the blues and for the first time in rugby history, there's new laws. That there's the the captain's challenge. You've got the the goal line dropout, and I I, I tuned into the the Blues Dragons game where you were hit off the ball, or or, or you you were hit in the, in the head with a with a shoulder, and you got the the guy sent off realistically, which was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it because there was so many different angles, and the referee had to go all the way to the end of the pitch. And what, what was going through your head at that point?
1: Um, oh, well. I just remember we'd gone through a few phases and we hadn't gone anywhere and then i remember you know um teddy williams had the ball and i latched onto him and as we made as we made uh he made contact i got absolutely smoked and i was yeah. like oh that was right on the, on the button that was right on the sweep and then you know i wasn't i wasn't concussed or anything and i knew what was going on it took me a couple of steps to get my breath back and uh, mm-hmm. eventually i think two phases later, we scored yeah but I went to the ref I said ref I think I've just been uh you know I, I've been shoulder charged in the head and he's going oh, are you going to call a captain's challenge and I went yeah and like, throw I'm down gonna, like, they they they'd called one and the dragons had called one in the first half which mm. was you know it was quite laughable at the time because yeah uh when he watched it back it was it was nothing team Bashman running to Corey Hill and you know, uh, when Ross called it, he said, "Oh, it's a shoulder charge there," and it was like he just bounced <laughs> off. And was like,
0: okay. Only he could see he come up with something like that,
1: couldn't he? And then, and yeah. then obviously, I called mine, and then went. All I heard was, "You, you fucking snake like that, <laughs> you snitch." <laughs> and then, initially, the ref went to the other side of the field, and uh, he's watching the big screen, and they're showing this the wrong clip. Yeah, like, yeah, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not that. They're like the <laughs> fighter going, "Hey, dear, if that's the clip. You are." <laughs> called it all linked the sun I was like no oh, no no it's not that it's like four phases later yeah, found it. it was like obviously clear clear and obvious that you know um, restarting had flown in with the shoulder and yeah. was a little bit reckless, and it caught me caught me sweet um, and uh, the ref saw it he's like oh you know there's a red card mm. um, but from my point of view it shouldn't be down to the captain to go calling a challenge like yeah. that yeah uh, I'd, I'd rather not see the captain's challenge in, in there. What yeah. I would rather see is the TMOs are a bit more switched on and they pick yeah. up pick up those sort of things. Mm. And the only time they pick up things like that is if the player's down injured. And if the player goes down injured, then he's off anyway. Yeah. So it, um, it, you don't, you don't it, have a concussion, um, symptom check.
0: It was sensational because if you watched in full time, like, as you said, there was a few wrong clips that they were trying to use, trying to look at something else. And I was like, "Well, not, that's nothing." And then they sort of played it through full time, and you almost could miss it. You really could miss it if it wasn't uh, on you. You would have probably missed it. Do, do, do you get what I mean? And it's it's crazy I mean, how you know it sort of brought to light how many physical challenges like that to the head you're going to get in a rugby game that are going to go unmissed, even with all the cameras.
1: I know, and and that's the thing. They were they're trying to eradicate it out of the game, but mm. how are you to bring it to their attention? Unless you use a, a captain's challenge for it. and like, you know, I I don't know if any of if I'd have seen it or any of the other boys would have come to me and said, oh look, I've just been smoked off the ball and by someone's shoulder to head, yeah. and said you need to call a captain's challenge on that. Thing is, we'd scored anyway, so you know, yeah. I don't know if if, if it'd been on anyone else, if it would have happened or not. So yeah, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Like they picked up on Owen Lane's tackle off the ball after mm. the nine had flung it back inside. And the TMO stepped in there. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I don't, with the game the way it's played and how fast things are happening, I don't know if they would have picked up on it. So, yeah.
0: yeah. It's, 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 it's weird, you know,
1: like. I didn't want to intentionally get someone sent off, but I was just yeah. going to the, of the referee, if that makes sense. It's
0: brilliant. They call me a snitch, so that's brilliant. Um, but it's, it's weird, you know, like, I've loved rugby all my life. This is why I'm doing this, this sort of thing. You know, I've been a referee as well myself. Um, but it's got to the point over the last year I've interviewed people from all over the world and it's the same message. People are just getting sick of n- not so much the law changes as well, but, but the way rugby's going at the minute. You know, every single little thing is being checked. And, you know, even you look at Winn-Jones in the in the Six Nations against Scotland where, you know, Xander Fagerson comes in and, and hits him off the ball in a ruck. You know, five years ago, that wouldn't have even been a yellow card, would it? jeremy do do no, so no. so what like from from a player's and the captain's point of view i
1: think the biggest thing is they want to they want to eradicate that like recklessness out of the mm. game because that's what causes injuries and um you know i like to think that i've always been a hard fair player uh, mm. and that's, I, that's the way i've always seen the game being played um you know there's always a chance for a free shot in the ribs or something but that's within mm. a tackle or a maul or something like that um but I think it's that it's that kind of reckless charging into a ruck, mm. guys unprotected. He can't protect himself because he's in a vulnerable position and mm. then gets clonked on the head. So, um, and I think nowadays with the TMOs and stuff, they can slow things right down and it actually makes it look worse than what it yeah. is sometimes cause it's happening much faster than that. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think, you know, players gotta be a little bit more cautious now. There's mm. still ways of cleaning some out of a ruck without smashing them in the head, basically. Yeah. You just have to it, be a bit more technical about things rather than mm. uh, reckless, basically.
0: Yeah. It is it's mad how maybe, you know, the, the law changes down, I'd probably say the last 20 years have changed and they, they're creating different injuries for players. So, for example, the, the ruck area. I'm not sure if you were around when you were able to ruck and, and stamp on the player and try and get him out try and get him out of the ruck. But in some ways, that was actually um the, it, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> uh, it, it was it'd be less painful than you know somebody having to try and get you out of the ruck physically, and maybe somebody cracking a a, a, a bone yeah. in their foot or a bone in their leg by you know Sam Wobden is happened to Sam Wobden so many times, hasn't
1: it? I think you know, now you just get penalised for lying on the wrong side. Yeah. Back in the day, you could lie on the wrong side and, and slow the ball up and take a shoe in. And yeah. you're like, oh, what that guy's just lay there, slow the ball up. But he's mm. taken three, four yeah. stamps on the A few back. grazes. Yeah. A few grazes. And they just got on with it. But, you know, um, you know, you are still allowed to ruck, mm. but you got to make it look like, a, like the foot movement is coming backwards rather mm. than up and down. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, a, you know, Usually, if you if there's a defender light there, he's going to get penalised anyway for not rolling away. So, yeah. you know, they're trying to speed up the game, and uh, you know, you've
0: got to find other ways of slowing the ball up. Basically, mm. yeah. But, tackling, uh, it, it's amazing we could talk about this all day. it's becoming quite political now, and everybody's trying to have their say. Uh, but let's bring it back to you now, Josh. You, you just said you know about your age. You're only thirty three. You turned thirty three in March, I believe. Um, but it certainly seems like you've got a lot of years still ahead of yourself. Um, during the, the first lockdown, what was you of the mindset of, you know, oh oh shit, you know, I might be losing another year of my career here. You know, I've still got so much to play for. Or was it nice to, you know, press that reset button and and start again?
1: Um first few weeks I trained like lunatics. I thought we were it was like we were yeah. gonna be off like mystery. <laughs> it was like oh, three, four weeks and we're trying to get back things, things going again. Uh, ended up being five months so yeah. um you know the first uh, few weeks I was running 5ks and, and you know I was keeping myself in in good nick uh training quite hard in the gym um and then all of a sudden um we were told it's gonna be longer so I kind of eased off a little bit and uh spent spent plenty of time with the kids and built them a a tree house out in the garden and mm. you know just did things around the house because literally just before lockdown we moved into a new house so you know i just got to grips with that really and then mm. all of a sudden i was thinking you know i can use this time as a refresh the batteries and and mm. probably that's probably why i've done all right this season in terms of performances because i felt refreshed and um you know i don't think if you speak to any rugby player um longest they would have had off is probably five weeks six mm. weeks max in, in an off season we haven't had a break like that you know even if you're injured you're still you'd still be training um Doing something, you'd be rehabbing, so you you can't mm-hmm. switch off mentally. I think the best thing about that break was everyone was able to switch off mentally and physically for a good couple of months, and then you know I think there's been a massive difference in terms of the way the speed the games been played since I've come back. Anyway, so mm-hmm. um, you know it just shows how much how much um, uh, of a benefit of having a longer break can be some sometimes
0: into some players.
1: Well, well, let's take a trip down memory.
0: a couple years on anyway. Well, let's take a trip down memory lane, down to you, your younger, your younger years. Um, back in two thousand eight, I think that was the first time that I actually watched you live. It was the the France game. Uh, in the world cup the the junior world cup of that year and and luckily we, we just about managed to win in in the i think it was the 86 minute or or something yeah. like that it, it was a real buzz around wales at that time because the world cup was being held in wales and and we did manage to get out of the group um i'm assuming you remember that match quite well or do you not yeah, well,
1: <laughs> I remember i remember you know i went i was quite lucky enough i went to three junior world cups i went mm. uh, to one in 2006 in dubai 2007 I went in two thousand six as a youngster, a year young. Mm. Two thousand and seven is my own year, and then they changed it. Then to the following year, two thousand eight to twenties, and yeah. the first year and the third year were brilliant. You know, we had some really good players in both. Mm. A lot of those players in both those age groups went on to become pro rugby players. And mm. you know that that twenties year then was was phenomenal. You know, I remember I quite remember most of the games I played in those age group games as well. So you know, I remember that. I remember that tournament well.
0: Uh, and do you remember the aftermath of it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Rich <we laughs> started it. <laughs> I'll chuck him Go in on. the bus. You I, I okay, know I've, I've but seen I've
0: seen I've seen that. What, what did he do?
1: Um oh we scored the, the conversion had been taken, I think, and then the boys were like still celebrating. And then uh French Webbys just started smiling and tapping this French <laughs> French boy in the face. I was like, unlucky. And then the next thing this bloke just started ragging him about. Um <laughs> Patrick Palmer used to play for yeah. took a sweep to the head, this French French boy had been subbed off, him flying in, butted him, when he was trying to break it up, and it was just, ructions everywhere, everywhere I looked, there was someone having a scrap, and yeah. the worst thing was, we were staying in the same hotel as him, the Marriott as as <laughs> So, uh, like, all I remember is, I'd gone to help a couple of boys, and I was pulling this Frenchie off him, and all I seen was my mum coming down the stand, oi, get away from there now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then eventually the french boys got escorted off the field and we stayed outside for oh no we went inside first and we took our time in the changing rooms at a, at a um a sit down and they kept us in the liberty then for a couple of hours and then they mm. sent the french boys off to the hotel and uh we went back to the hotel a couple of hours later and they were all sitting in the foyer waiting for us <laughs> and then they with bars they said you know, the team, team meet downstairs in in 15 minutes come down in your civis, whatever. And uh, Jimmy Norris, winger, you know, he's he was he was ginger and pale at the best of times. And he <laughs> came down the lift, he was even whiter than white because he'd been <laughs> in the lift with Matthew, Matthew Bastero. So and, uh, he got in the lift, and then he was on the way down. And Bastro got in the lift, and he was like, That uh, he just like he said he wanted the, the floor to swallow him up, yeah. And he like came trembling out the lift. And They sent us home for the night. They said, Look, go home, um, relax with your families, and then we'll catch up tomorrow. And uh, to be fair, we went, we went back the next day. The French boys were all right, shook our hands. And on the last night, we all had a beer together in the team room.
0: So, um, you
1: know, that's was, rugby, what, isn't it? it was, and that, was, that was rugby, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but, well, if you look at that Welsh side, it, it was unbelievable. And you know, the likes of Halfpenny, Jonathan Davis, uh, Dan Bigger, I, I think might have played in that game. I'm not sure. Um, Reese Webb.
1: Webb, Dan Bigger, Jason Tubby, Dan Evs, the Halfpenny, John Fox. I can't remember who the other centre was.
0: Sam Wobden. Uh,
1: Sam um uh, myself and Dan Franks in the, sec- in the back row. I think it was Hayden Pugh and Jaron Groves in the second row.
0: Yeah.
1: I couldn't tell you who the front row was. <laughs> that's quite, it's <that's> quite <laughs> I mean, unbelievable I mean, though, I mean, to be part, part of that set-up. Possibly. Yeah.
0: Another Ponty so, D prop.
1: Yeah. So like, you know, a lot of those players, uh, over two thirds of them, have gone on to become Welsh internationals.
0: Hmm. Yeah, um, you know. a, uh, what I was going to say to you is, you know, looking back at that Welsh under-20s team, there's amazing players in there, and 13 years later, do, do you feel your career path went the way you wanted it to? Because, you know, obviously you're, you're seeing the likes of Dan Bigger, Rhys Webb, and, and the likes of John Davies Gwanta play for the Lions. Do, do you think you had the ability to to follow that career path?
1: What, play for the Lions? Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm no, only, like I'm only go asking
0: go. because, you know, you've been the bedrock of of many sides, you know, the Scarlets, you were the bedrock of their back row or in the second row where you played, you know, whenever you've played for Wales you've never let us down, so you know, you Uh, did have the ability
1: uh, uh, The the difficult thing was, when I started to break into the Wales team, there was uh, you've got to like think of the the boys who were in around around that um, Mm. environment then, so you had Martin Williams, Ryan Jones, Jonathan Thomas, Andy Powell um Mm. And then you obviously, so there's three out of four Lions there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go in, Sam Orbden, Toby Fartow, Dan Idiot, Justin Tipperick. There's another mm-hmm. four Lions. So you're thinking, it's set, like, when I first started breaking, that was the back row, and mm-hmm. three out of the four of them were Lions. You know, a couple of years later, when they retired or finished, there's another crop of boys come through, and most of them ended up being Lions. So the mm-hmm. competition for that back row of the scrum was was phenomenal, Um
0: mm.
1: you know, it's you know, I wouldn't say I, I back my build the all day long, but I think you've got to be able to uh, maintain that, which you know, uh, to a regional standard, I have done, but maybe mm. I just haven't had that opportunity because of the quality uh, international level, basically. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been quite
1: respected yeah. be by the boys because they're they're really the quality players, mm. and they're all in their own right, and they're you know, they deserved everything they've 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 gone on to achieve.
0: Yeah. Having done some research on your career, it looked like 2011 was going to be your real breakthrough year, wasn't it? Uh, You know, you had a really good season with the Scarlets and then I think you were picked for the the training camp for the the World Cup, having made your your debut against Scotland in the previous Six Nations.
1: Yeah, that, you know... um... I think the end of 2010, there was, there was, I was probably, you know, I was close in 2010, November. Mm. Um, you know, I was talking about around then, you know, I, I kind of took my form through then through Christmas period. And the year before I'd actually been, what was the year before that I can't remember I'd had a five week band was completely kind of ruled me out when I was you know in some decent form then mm. The following year. Then it just, I just kind of kicked on, you know, I was, I was working, uh, with David Lyons on the Scarlets. Mm. um, you know, a guy who had, um, plenty of time for the youngsters and that's one of the, the biggest thing I could say is how much I learned off him and when he was like 32 and how much time he was giving to the younger players and mm. um you know I learned a lot it was invalu- his time was invaluable basically so and then that 2011 year just kind of kicked on then obviously got picked in that um six Nations squad made my debut um and then had a pretty good season that year and um mm. you know just missed out on uh on, this, on the World Cup. Um, you know, uh, toss for coin. I think uh, Gat said so. Yeah,
0: it's crazy because you know I think from looking at the squad, it looked like you lost out to, to maybe Ryan Jones because I think Ryan Jones at that point was you know helping out in the lock and in the back row he could play five, six or eight, and that was sort of similar to yourself, wasn't it? Do you do you think maybe being that utility player has maybe gone against you or has it helped you?
1: Um. Yeah, well. It's probably one of the reasons I left the Scarlets. really was because at the time I was playing, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, in a first choice in a position. Hmm. In the words I, would, I was told, I was a first choice back, uh, first choice back rower. So, yeah. you know, it just depended on the makeup of the back rower. If there was one of the boys wasn't playing, then I'd slip into that role because, you know, I had the versatility to do it. You know, I also chuck my, chuck, my, chuck myself into the second row a couple of times on the Scarlets, And then when I, when I decided to move to the Blues, the conversation I had with the then coach was, you know, we're looking for a six, we can play 8 it mm-hmm. it'd be ideal in this in this environment. And, you know, it pricked my conscience a little bit. My ears lit up, my eyes lit up and my ears perked up. And I was like, oh, let's go and give it a bash. And to mm-hmm. fair, at the end of that season, I played at the Scarlet, so I ended up going on tour to South Africa in yeah. uh, 2014. And then the following year, I did, well, I didn't play for the, I didn't get involved with in Wales then for another two years. So, yeah. you know, it, even though my form was was pretty decent, so you know it's just one of those things. I think is the uh, you know, the selections a matter of opinion, and obviously the time I wasn't wasn't flavour of the month.
0: Yeah, and I might be wrong, but I think in two thousand eleven, I'm not sure if you were you were part of the training squad prior to the World Cup, uh, but that might have been the first time I think Wales went to Poland prior to a. A big tournament. Um, you were you and I how, how was, was that? How was that training and, and the cryotherapy chambers? Um, brutal, you know. Yeah. It's
1: the the um, toughest camp. Twenty five days of camp I've ever done. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was it was relentless. It was double triple weight sessions, cryo yeah. four times a day. You're running rugby skills. Um, you know but I think it, it um the amount of work the boys put in uh put them in a good place because of how well they did in the world Cup then yeah. uh, later on that, that year so you know it, it was a really good environment to be around at the time and you know i i i gotta like say I loved it and you know i'm i'm a big trainer i love i love training um, yeah. i love i pride myself on my uh on my fitness accord it's my x factor and um you know uh i i really enjoyed that camp you know and mm. you know i I think you know, I took so much away from it. Then I remember, mm. I remember when they told me that I wasn't going to be in, involved in the World Cup, and then I was on the standby list. And four weeks later, I ended up having sur- surgery on my shoulder, so oh, shit. Um, missed out on that one. But yeah. you know, it, just some of the experiences you take away from those camps is is massive.
0: Mm. Was it survival of the fittest though, and was there any tempers flared?
1: Oh, there's always, there's always. Uh, you know a bit of pushing and shoving because you know everyone's trying to make a mark mm. aren't they basically uh especially the morning sessions and the contact stuff mm. but you know i think everyone knows uh everyone's going to put it in when it comes down to the fitness fitness side of things you know you're not going mm. to be you're going to be found out if you if you um if you're not going to put the effort in basically
0: yeah and, and if you look at the caps that you've you've had you know, 10 caps are in double figures. So, so that's that's one good thing. Um I dreamed of anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I'll digest for one minute on that field for Wales, mate. Um, but you know, you've put some massive shifts on, on the tours of South Africa in 14 and again in Argentina in 2018. Um, let's firstly talk about the South African tour um and how close we came to nicking that that second test. Um, unfortunately, Liam Williams, you know, in a high tackle in the corner. I was had my head in my hands, and I was absolutely gutted for Sanjay. Um, but despite the loss, on a personal level, you know, you must have been chuffed with the, your own uh, performances out in South Africa. You know, playing playing number seven.
1: Yeah, I'd um, it was well obviously uh, the back back row makeup was you know I kind of had a inkling after that first game against the the um, who we play? the Kings. Mm-hmm. I probably wasn't going to be involved in the test. And that, um, you know, I, I just played seven, went about my business, and had a pretty good game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up being on the bench for that first first, uh, first test then. And I just remember in the conversation from uh, not when one of the meetings, Sean Edwards was like, if they run a five-man play, they're coming back with a flash with Willie LaRue. And Willie Roux yeah. like, rounded two of our boys, scored two tries in the first test. Yeah, So, like, I think the clock has literally gone, like, Maybe fifty minutes gone, and I just remember, well maybe less than that, and I was I was running on. Yeah, and I just remember thinking anything in green, I'm actually going to whack it. <laughs> and I made some like fifteen tackles in about twenty five minutes, and yeah. Uh, the following weekend, you know, I was rewarded with a start against mm. uh, against in the second test. You know, and my form throughout that last season I was at the Scarlets had been pretty good, so you know, and I had that ability to play six, seven, or eight, so. You know I just went out there and 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 I remember Sean saying to me if Dwayne Vermeulen runs you just fucking black him <laughs> I was like yeah, yeah, fine. and you know literally that's you know I, the game went so quick and then I was actually mad at the match in that game and yeah. uh, I didn't get picked for Wales another two years after that so just um, the tale of your career
0: fun. in it it is but, unbelievable. You know,
1: there's there's Again, you go back to look who was available. You didn't have an out and out seven involved in that environment. Tips and Warby um, mm-hmm. were both injured. And, um, you know, other boys then come through and, and make their mark then as well. So, you know, it's it's just the way things go. You know, yeah. and I'm grateful for every opportunity I've been given.
0: Yeah. If you look at the back row that South Africa had that day, Francois Lowe, Willem Alberts at seven, and Dwayne Vermeulen and then you had the added thing of having Schaltberger come off the bench. That must have been some ride for eighty minutes.
1: Yeah, you know, just big men mm. and bigger men coming off the bench, basically. So yeah, and you know, I played when we when we played the first test. I you know schaltberger was probably my inspiration growing up. He's my mm. uh, you know him and Jerry, Jerry Collins. You know, I think schaltberger was an absolute animal when he was playing when he was a youngster. And, Mm. Um, you know, to be able to swap jerseys with him after that after that first test, you know, is uh, I've got his jersey in the house somewhere. Mm. You know, it's real honor to have his someone you've looked up to and kind of idolised when you're a kid, have his jersey in the house basically.
0: That's amazing. Is it did you have any more um jerseys from other players that you've come up against?
1: Um uh I've got the Argentinian second row who plays with Gloucester, I can't remember his surname. Yeah. Um, I've got George Smith's uh Barbar's jersey I swapped with him. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I went to swap with um Lobby. Um, yeah. it, when we played Argentina in 2012, but it was his 50th cap and he wanted to keep his oh, jersey. So I got stuck with that one. Um I'm trying to think who else. I've actually got a. it's not it's a non-rugby jersey. I've got Geraint Thomas's Tour de France uh, jersey. Oh uh, I ended up it was an auction and I ended up picking up, so <laughs> you know, I
0: I was going to say some of your rugby jerseys be worth a bit of a few bob in the next few years wouldn't
1: they? Um so yeah I got I got that and um yeah I just I too far I haven't swapped many. I've given a lot of my my Welsh jerseys to my parents, my brothers, mm. um family members really. So, mm. you know, I've only really swapped a handful of them.
0: Mm. And we mentioned earlier, you know, you going on the tour of Argentina in 2018, you know, what was it? A few years after the cap before. Um And it seemed that tour was was almost like a catalyst for for Wales what Wales were going to achieve over the next 12 months because obviously I think that was the start of the big run that they went on. You know, I think you beat South Africa and America, then toured Argentina, won all four uh, Autumn Internationals, won the Grand Slam and obviously took that into the World Cup. Um, Did you feel something special was happening within that camp? Because it looked like there was a lot of good young talent going on that tour, but it just looked like everybody was enjoying their rugby.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It was they they there was a lot of confidence coming out of twenty eighteen, mm. in in, well, well, leading into twenty eighteen summer tour. You know, and I wasn't initially selected. You know, I was mm. uh, I was gearing up for time on the beach and I booked a holiday to go to Lanzarote. And then all of a sudden, I think the Scarlets played uh, Leinster or something like that, and someone got injured, and I had a phone call that afternoon, and um, yeah. and they said, uh, you know, you're going to be coming on tour. And, We'll have someone pick you up from the house, we pick a kit up from the veil, vale and we'll meet you in um in Heathrow. But they they couldn't get me on the same flight, so I flew the next I flew that evening then and I, I joined up with them the following day. Yeah. And you know, I think you know they'd taken they'd left, purposely left a load of senior boys at home and um and they just took a load of youngsters and said, Look, we're gonna back you and we're gonna we're gonna give you a crack and we wanna see what you're all about and you know to go over there uh against South Africa who were in a in decent shape at the time and then to play Argentina t- twice fully loaded pretty much um mm. and turn them over um you know it put the it put the put the squad in a really good position moving into that that following year then. Mm. and they just went on a on a, a real good run then and obviously led them into the into the 2019 World Cup
0: yeah and obviously that was only 3 years ago and you were only 30 at, at that point what was your thought process at that time because you know, in your mind, you've just been called up as a, as a late selection, and you know you could see a load of the young players that might may be ahead of you, and this player's been left at home. What what was your thought thought process on that tour? Was you was you just trying to soak it all think, up and just enjoy it?
1: Yeah, I think you've got to enjoy it every time you go on on a on a tour, and or you're involved in the, in the environment. And mm. you know, every I think because I only get a cap, one cap every two years. <laughs> I kind of see it as a new cap. My first cap every time, so you know I just enjoyed being in that environment, and you know I didn't I didn't take it too seriously. You know I got involved and mm. in everything, and you know um, you know I just enjoyed it, and I think you know I was rewarded with two uh, opportunities off the bench then, and mm. you know uh, and they both went well again. So, but you know I kind of knew uh, you know where I kind of stood in the environment. You know those boys, mm. young boys, a were going to be given an opportunity, in I I guess i was probably there just more more of my experience more than yeah. anything and you know to help some of these younger players along and you know it's, it's it's a good position to be in i think when you're a little bit older you know um you're never going to say no to winning winning going on a tour or being involved in in that environment
0: mm. i i believe there was a there was a special moment in one of the tests with you know i, th- I think i saw the picture between you gareth Davis and and scott williams all of you being on the field at the same time and, and the, the special part about it is you're all from the same village, you know, how amazing was that? Yeah,
1: I, I, it, didn't, it, didn't, um, it didn't click until after the game and, you know, when we were all celebrating and I was like, oh, fair play, it's the first time, you know, we all of us had gone on to, to play for Wales, but never been on the pitch together at yeah. any one moment. So, you know, and it was just a spur of the moment thing. I grabbed the three of them, grabbed the other two of them and three of us had a picture yeah. together and, you know, it was, a, it was quite a proud moment, to be honest, and especially for everyone from the Gus because, you know, it's the first time and only time I, I think it's happened.
0: Mm. And, and in between those two tours was the tour to New Zealand. Now, I think you only played in, in the game against the Chiefs, which, you know, we'll try and forget about <laughs> as, as, quickly, as quickly as possible. What, what was it like playing <laughs> in that well, game? Um, because yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, I was... At the time, I was working as um, a post post boy for the Welsh government, and I was trying to watch her on my phone. And I'm everybody would sort of come through to my post room and say, "What's the score now?" As like, oh, I was forty, you know, it's like I just couldn't believe it. What was it like for you as players? We played uh, we played England
1: before we went, and we were in a pretty yeah. we'd lost, but we were in a pretty good place. And then you know we went out that on that trip trip to New Zealand, and the boys' was the test was all right, wasn't it? You know the boys went well on that first test, and then and there was a couple of niggles, and boys who who were meant to play in that Tuesday or Wednesday night game weren't weren't uh, ended up pulling up through injury and stuff like that. So um, a couple of the starters had to had to step in, like Toby and and Warby, mm-hmm. and um, we just got run off the park. the 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 the, the, the pace of the game they played it at that. And I think yeah. that comes through in the in the in the in the two tests after that with New Zealand as well. Mm. You know, those three three tour tests can be quite brutal at times, especially mm. if you're on the receiving end of a good hiding as well. You know, and you know you're doing it at the end of your season, and it's the beginning of their season or mm. just after they've started. So you know they're pretty fresh. Um, But look, there's you know that tour in 2016, the tour in 2012 to Australia. um, mm you know, I can't fault any of the tours I've been on really, you know, mm. I've been lucky enough to go to all four uh, countries and um, and enjoy every moment of them really. yeah. And it the is amazing- was that was that one in New Zealand was I ended up coming home injured. So yeah, early. Again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, didn't get a chance to, you know, after I had a bit of a bulging disc in my neck and I ended up coming home early from it. So, you know, it was just, um, you know, timing again.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I spoke to Elliot D a few months back and, you know, I was going through his career, you know, even though he's had a a short career and he's still got plenty of, of games still to go, but we were talking about all the places that he'd been to and I couldn't believe it. And it's the same for you. You know, you've gone to Argentina, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, you know, made your debut up in Scotland, played at Twickenham. You know, these are just so so many amazing, you know, memories that you've been able to make despite only, I, I keep saying only 10 caps 10 caps is good. So, but it's still, to be able to do I'm, that is I'm quite amazing, though, I know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you've had must have had some amazing experiences.
1: Um, oh, yeah, they're you know, and you, you go you go into these places with, with the guys, uh, with your mates, and you know, their experiences mm. you, you're never going to forget, really. And uh, you know, it's just uh, you know, things, things you'll remember forever, basically. And uh, mm. you know, I think. When you can, when you can get victories as well, it just makes it all, all the more sweeter and, and, mm. and better, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a sneaky feeling that you you may be picked for for the next upcoming games as well. Is there another two year gap now in between? <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, there's been, been a lot ago. of talk. There's yeah, <laughs> been a lot of talk of you being picked in the 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 games against Canada and the two games against Argentina again. Um, is there an outside chance we may be able to see you in six weeks' time? Have you had any contact with Wayne Pivak?
1: No, no contact. Um, you know, I, all I can do is is keep my head down, keep working mm. hard, and that's always been my um my motto really. And you know, if if your form is good enough, it'll mm. you know, higher honors will dictate it'll um will come to you. But you know, my my main priority is 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 playing well week in, week out for the blues and and if anything comes with it, it's a, it's a bonus.
0: Mm. He might be captain as well. You never know.
1: <laughs> that's a good
0: matter. I'll have to get you back on then. I don't think you want to know me after you become captain. He might be too big for the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, I know we spent, we, 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 we spent a lot of time talking about the past, uh, Josh, but let's quickly look to the future now. Um, have you got many more aims left on your rugby bucket list? Maybe playing abroad, maybe playing in America, in L.A.?
1: Um, well, i am contracted the Blues for another three years after this year. Um, uh,
0: plenty of time. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh,
1: plenty of time left. Uh, I think, you know, going back to when uh, we won that Challenge Cup, um, there was a, that was a massive um, moment in my mm. career, and it's something I'd love to do again, just winning, mm. winning a trophy, and especially with the group of boys that are the Blues now. You know, and I think all of us, after experiencing that, we want to strive to do that again. I think if you asked any of the players, um that 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 semi-final against Pau at home and mm-hmm. then the game against Gloucester, uh, out in Bilbao, you know, massive, massive occasions and things like you want to be playing in those kind of games and those big in, in those big games. Um so yeah, that's that's something else that I'd love love to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a couple more more caps. Um as for the Playing abroad, um, I'm not too sure. Obviously, you've got a young family and they're mm. quite settled now, but you never say never.
0: Mm. I think Nick Williams was the one that told me that that weekend in Bilbao was one of the best weekends he's ever had. Is that true? Was there a few drunken messes that 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 weekend?
1: Well, I think the the three weeks leading up to that game, so we played we played uh, we played power home, beat them. Um, we had a massive bender for that one in the club <laughs> uh the following week uh they changed 13 players and it was only me and gareth askum who started the following week against the ospreys in the judgment day um and then we we the following week was the bilbao final and yeah. um you know we went we went to bilbao we were full of confidence um the way the game's been going even though we lost that game against uh the ospreys it was like 29 28 or something like that. yeah real real close and to make 13 changes and to give a load of boys an opportunity, you know, mm. it kind of, there was a real good buzz. It actually felt like, you know, the team, the Ospreys put out, we felt like we'd won the game. Yeah, um, And then we had a real good build up to that that final in um, in Bilbao. And after the game, there was a massive reception back at the hotel where we were staying. Um, and then the for, the following couple of days were just real messy. The Saturday night, we <laughs> were in an Irish bar in Bilbao, uh, absolutely steaming um watched the Leinster game um traveled back ended up going out in Cardiff on the Sunday yeah um and then ended up <laughs> on a barbecue a barbecue and a and a few vodkas on the mon- on the Monday night <laughs>
0: <laughs> What a weekend that's so brilliant
1: I, I was like I was I think I was putting something up like day four is better than day one <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'd be nice for you just to get to the final so you can do that again that sounds like an amazing well, I, weekend I think
1: you've got to celebrate those moments
0: you know mm. um
1: and every, you know, I've done a few presentations to, like, you know, I remember when Newcastle Emman got to the final, of the plate in the stadium, mm. and uh, you know, I've done a couple of presentations to junior clubs who were in finals, and I've said, "Look, you've got to, you've got to cherish these moments because they mm. don't come around that often, Um, and you've got to enjoy the moment." You've got mm. to, you got, th- you, that's definitely what we did as a, as a group of blues boys.
0: Mm. And enjoy and uh, exactly, uh, and I think you mentioned earlier that. Earlier on in your career, you, you coached the likes of Kieran Ardy, Jamison Bastien, uh, Will Boyd, I think, at the, the Scarlet age grade level. Um, so is that something you're still very passionate about and want to get into when, once you finally retire in 10 years' time?
1: <laughs> hey, I keep telling the boys I'm going to play until 40, so, you know, it's all in the mind. More Welsh caps. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, coaching is definitely something I want to get involved in, you know. Um, i've been doing it now for about eight nine years um mm-hmm. you know i was maybe even longer 10 years you know i was coaching mm-hmm. scarce 18s for the last couple of years i was there and then came to the blues 18s and obviously some of those boys now transitioned into the senior squad mm-hmm. um and then i've co- coached my my home club newcastle eminem for a couple of seasons and i'm gonna transition into coaching with the premiership next season with quaala Quinn. so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know it's definitely something that i want to go into after after afterwards um you know I'm doing my level four this year with quite a few boys who are familiar to the professional game. People like Lewis Evans and Hugo Staffson, mm-hmm. uh, Breezy, um, Craig Everett, uh, T.R.T., um, reese Thomas. You know, yeah. and these guys all some of them, a lot of them are coaching already. A lot, mm-hmm. some of them come to the end of their careers. But you know, I the way I see it is I try and get as much experience now while I'm still playing. And get that balance right that you know it's going to be easier to transition into a coaching role when when that time comes. Mm,
0: yeah. Time uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, finally, Josh. Before you go, is it okay if we finish with a quick fire round? Yeah. Crack on. Right. I, I say it's quick fire, but every guest of ours on has took at least ten minutes to answer all of them. But there's only like eight questions, but but they are quite difficult. So uh, so here we go then. Uh, firstly, who's the best player you've played with? Regan King, uh, bet the, the best player
1: you've come up against. Uh, it's pretty tough because you know I played against Tips, who was a it was a, a world class player. Yeah. You know Donald Davis, world class player. But then you know instantly the first person to come to my mind was someone like Jerry Collins or or yeah. uh, Berger, You know because what they've achieved in the game. Um, you know someone like Owen Farrell. <laughs> there's too many. Yeah. There's too many players. Brian skull yeah, you know, I've had quite a long career, so there's quite a yeah. few people, you
0: know. <laughs> uh, Phil Bennett
1: you know, Henry Henry, <laughs> <laughs> like Henry, Henry when he was at Peppino, and the guy oh was just a monster. So yeah. you know, there's so many players that you know you could name. Mm. Um,
0: you know, it's, it's it's pretty difficult. One, yeah. And it's, and crazy it's crazy with impressive. it's it's crazy with Justin Tipperick as well, because I think people always underestimate him for some reason whenever. You know, you've looked at the last three tours, that he, well, the last two tours and this one, especially with the Lions. You look at everyone's selections. He's never in the test side, in anybody's predicted test side. But Jerome Kaino said he's he's up there in the top three flankers that he's ever come up against. And the same with Owen Farrell as well. I think when I had Sean Edwards on, I said, who's the best player you've come up against as a coach? He said, Owen Farrell, which is, you know, is, yeah. it's really surprising for some people, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, tips is like, the silent assassin, you know, he, can, yeah. he goes about his work. He just does not moan, and you know, he's probably one of the best players I've played with. And again, so yeah. you know, he's he's quality.
0: All scrum cap in rugby in it. it either is either his or Jonathan Davis is, not it? Wearing the same scrum cap for about 20 yeah. years. Uh but yeah. anyway, uh best friend of rugby.
1: I'm quite close with Josh Navidi, actually. You know, yeah. when, when I first moved to the blues, um we hear yeah. You know we got on real well, Um roomies when we go away to on away trips. You know mm. I got on really well with Navs or oh, or oh, Ken Ken Owens. Yeah, you know, we only live two minutes from the house, so I'd probably say those two actually. I can't, Ken seems
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ken seems like a great guy on a night out. I bet he's awesome.
1: Yeah, you know top top bloke and you know our, our kids go to the same school, so we still see each other quite regular. Mm. And uh, you know what a guy on on and off the field. So you know I you know he's a real
0: top 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 fella mm. and this may be another one the <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff for a nickname yeah. uh this might be another hard one your favorite coach
1: to be fair i think uh you know i've got a couple only because of the different ways they've coached um i gotta say Simon needs to be because he was a player mm. he transitioned into the coaching and and you know he didn't he didn't take second best basically mm. and um you know, he never asked anyone to do anything. He never did himself. So, you know that, and you know he just worked incredibly hard. Um, and then, you know, Danny was a Danny Wilson was a pretty good coach in terms of his tactical, technical, technical knowledge and the way he mm. drove his drove things in, in training and standards. Um, but I, I guess one of the biggest who had an influence on me is John Muggleton when he came to the Scarlets mm. um, and the amount of time he spent again with the youngsters. Um, you know, and again on the amount of skills he skills work you did so you know there's there's just a couple there I've named
0: mm. and in terms of your own coaching do you, do you take some of the best parts of each coach that you've played under
1: yeah I think you're always as a, as a player you're always learning uh and even as a coach you're always trying to pick up things that other coaches are doing mm. and it's just you know maybe the way they present themselves in, in the front of a meeting or mm. the way they get their message across you know Sean Edwards was very much bang 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 where Gats <laughs> was quite you know, reserved and you know, we just stare at you and you'd be like, uh, Have I done something wrong? Or <laughs> I think that's an uneasy feeling, but you know, if you didn't go out and perform, you know, you'd be in that you'd be in a position where like, fuck, have I done enough? Or you yeah. know, you didn't want to let him down basically. And then, you know, you've got um again, going back to other coaches, how technical and tactical they are and you're always picking up little little and how detailed they are in terms of what they're delivering. So you're always trying mm. to pick up something. Some little tips from each of the coaches you work with.
0: Yeah. Uh, best match you've been involved in.
1: Yeah, probably that Powell semi-final. I enjoyed mm. that more than the final, to be honest. Even though the really? final awesome, awesome atmosphere, and you know, on the big occasion, and we won, we come back from 40 set well, 14 points down, or whatever it was, 17, 3 yeah. down to win it. Uh I actually enjoyed the you know the build up to that semi final at home against Powell, star studied Powell at the time as well, full of yeah. internationals. We Conrad was Conrad Smith back. there at the time? Conrad Smith, um, you know, they had some absolute massive prop. I don't know he was. <laughs> uh, the Armitage, uh, one of the Armitage brothers was there. You know, yeah, they, they had a real good team, and um, you know, we had a load of youngsters playing, and we went out and chucked the ball about and came out on top. So, you know, I just, I enjoyed. I, you know, Full Arms Park, you can't beat it really. Yeah, um, and that game probably. Uh, I remember forever. You know, yeah. It, it's not. It's pretty close to the final, but I, I enjoyed the semi-final more.
0: Yeah. Um. Next question. Worst drinker you've played with?
1: Worst drinker, Alice Summerhill, Without doubt. I not think. So. I so, think. Pause a pint of Guinness over his head rather than drinking <laughs> it. So, <laughs> without doubt, he's one of the worst. Typical party boy. <laughs> Dan Fisher's pretty bad as well, but he just he keeps going and going and going until he's. Spewing his guts up, <laughs> but Alice Samuel, I've never seen anything like it. Pub golf, kind of Guinness on the head, nah, pause it over his head. <laughs> uh, big,
0: big, biggest troublemaker on or off the field.
1: Oh, there's a few wind ups. Sanjay's a bit of a wind up, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen Sanjay on the night, though. I've seen him on the field as well. He, he He's just full metal all the time, isn't he? He's
0: yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> he I love it.
1: That, that's the way he is,
0: to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and finally, Josh, if you weren't a rugby player, what would have been your dream job? The
1: time there was a time when I was working in a kitchen, I would want I wanted to be a chef. Um <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I that's everyone. Food.
0: Everybody's wanted to be uh, a chef, haven't they? Uh, just uh, too uh, hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the hours are terrible. So you want fancy being that. Um something different, like uh you know, an easy an easy job where you've got good brains, but I haven't got that. So it's like Structure engineer or quantity surveyor, or something, yeah, something, what, something different. So, rock star, rock star, yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially <laughs> those highlights. I like. I'm gonna say someone else then. <laughs> oh, yeah, star on the end.
0: <laughs> um, but, well, Weird well, Josh, enough, <laughs> well, thanks for coming on today, mate. This has been really enjoyable. I had a good laugh. Um, all the best for the future with the blues, and hopefully, fingers crossed. You get picked for um, those three matches in the summer uh, and hopefully Wayne Pivot can uh, give you a call over the next few weeks. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. Cheers, mate.